Welcome everybody to The Future Is Remote. My name is Kenneth Hellam and I am your host today. With me in the studio, I have the pleasure of having Nicholas Kava. Welcome. Hey, Kenneth, thank you for having me today. I'm really excited to chat with you about asynchronous work. It's exciting to have you here. I was reading a little through your bio, and, and let me tell my listeners who you are here today. So we have Nicholas Cava. I like to think of him as Nicholas Cage. He is a 33-year-old French citizen. He lives in Montreal, Canada, and is a, a father of two. What are the names of your kids, Nicholas? So Iliana, my daughter, and Liam, my, uh, my boy. Excellent. How old are they? Uh, my daughter is six and my uh, boy is four. Ah, perfect. So so you must really be reaping the rewards of uh, being able to work remote, work at home. Yes, a lot. Uh, my family is actually one of uh, the arguments why uh, I enjoy uh, being remote. Uh, more family in time is always good. So good to hear. So it says here that you have a 13-year-long career in the software industry. We're of nine leading people and teams. You've worked more or less remotely since the beginning of your career, uh, but continuously since 2015. He works at Sendesk as an engineering manager. He leads a, a group of 14 people collaborating daily with teams located in North America, Europe, Australia, and Singapore, literally across the globe. Nicholas is an entrepreneur uh, and has founded three companies. He is currently writing Performing Remote, a book and a course on building high-performing remote engineering teams. And he also provides consulting services. And I would say, he, he didn't write it in his own bio, that, that Nicholas is really a thought leader when it comes to the field of asynchronous work. All right, man. Um, thanks again for, for coming on the show. Very happy to have you here. We're going to talk about asynchronous work today. So let's jump uh, into it. So, so first off, Nicholas... What does Zendesk do? Well, Zendesk is a company at first that was uh, building a product for helping customer uh, support, customer success people. Um, but then uh, we extended into multiple areas, like um, also helping sales uh, with um, um, a product, I will say, um, not a competitor of Salesforce, but uh, in the same field. Uh, we also have a lot of capabilities for uh, messaging, and we have a platform where um, developers and uh, customers in general can also integrate with this platform to build their own messaging solutions um, on top of it. So Zendesk is multifac a multifaceted company right now, but uh, the core of the business was and still is the support um, services for, for customers. And what does your team do at Sendesk? So my team is actually building the platform for um, uh, the messaging capabilities at Zendesk uh, that uh, um, is fundamental for all Zendesk products to integrate with. So for example, we will uh, build capabilities to um, talk to customers through WhatsApp, through Instagram, through Twitter, but also uh, Zendesk can integrate our platform of messaging um, for their own products like sales again, uh, or the, the support product. So um, it's more like a platform of messaging capabilities. Perfect. So you have a full-time job at Sendesk, but still I see you everywhere. You're on LinkedIn posting daily. Um, you're on Twitter. How do you find time to, to do all this? Uh, good question. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's really tricky, but I know also that uh, 
uh, it's less risky to do so, uh, to, to keep having a job and continuing to invest on your personal brand, your personal business uh, aside as I'm trying to go full, uh, full uh, all in. Um, but uh, it, it's not easy. Uh, I'm be- someone very disciplined and structured. So uh, I think I optimized my, my weeks to uh, uh, invest enough time for my family first, for Zendesk indeed, and also for everything else. I have also a passion uh, with gaming. So, I, I <laughs> so there's, a, there's a fourth thing that's taking your time. Yeah, too much things, I think. Uh, I don't know how I go, I go through it, but uh, eventually I, I do. So. <laughs> and the things you write about on LinkedIn, uh, they're typically remote and, and more specifically around uh, asynchronous work. Why would you say remote is so important to you? It, it it comes from uh, my personal history. Um, so I can say that remote actually saved my life. I brutally burned out in 2018, to be honest. Um, and at this time, being remote, I was already remote indeed. And being remote gave me the freedom to recover at my pace. It was very crucial for me. So I was close to my family in France, in my hometown. Um, and I was keeping doing what I love. So leading engineering teams, you know. Um, without remote, I would say that I would have had to make concessions, you know, uh, about health, family, or my career. And thanks to remote, I had the chance to keep them all uh, because I can work from anywhere with my own schedule. So this was really key for me to recover at my pace. Um, also, uh, when I started my career in France, um, there was very few opportunities and only in Paris uh, for engineering. So I, I, I was forced to move to Paris. So leave my family, my community from the south. Um, you know, the famous and famous rural exodus. <laughs> I don't regret, regret it, but I would have liked to have more options. Um, and thanks to remote today, you have massive opportunities to build the lifestyle you seek. Um, so that's also another reason. And the last reason is that um, I think remote work, I'm convinced that it benefits the countryside, the regions by decentralizing labor and economy. And uh, it strongly it strongly also benefits ecology. Um, you know, the time and effort and energy now is more redirected to families and local communities thanks to remote, not anymore centralized uh, on the downtown uh, offices uh, like before. Um, and um, well, my expertise is building high-performing remote engineering teams. So it's an humble contribution to promote the remote work model as much as possible. I want to do m- much more, but that's a start. I mean, that that's the longest and probably best list of benefits I've heard, and, and particularly because they are so personal and important to you. So, so thank you very much for, for sharing that, Nicolas. My pleasure, Kenneth. Um, I'm always passionate to talk about it. <laughs> so in today's episode, we are going to focus on async or asynchronous work. Um, and this is a topic I think is very important for teams who are learning to work remotely. It's something you've seen in engineering teams for for a while, although I don't think many engineering teams know how to do it well. But I'm curious today to learn both about the engineering side, the the world that you live in every day, but also to explore a little how can we apply it in other domains outside of engineering. But if we Mm -hmm. start with 
engineering and and your current experiences how would you define async and and why would you say it's important your uh, simply put async is collaboration that is not done in real time uh so when you send a message you don't expect an immediate response is that simple as that but um everyone i think recognize that it's slower but it tends to be higher higher quality too um, and one other point very important is that employee experienced 50% of increase on collaboration over the past two decades. Um, and in real time, knowledge workers must organize days around meetings. Uh, and they work between meetings, but all distractedly with one eye on Slack. Um, and thanks to async, uh, everything cognitively demanding uh, that require deep work can be done more efficiently. Um, in real time, you fear of missing out on decisions and discussions. So uh, you are always you are always available and listening to conversation, which lead to hurting your well-being and productivity in the end. Um, and one another study uh, found that we compensate for the time loss to interruption by working faster. Uh, which also lead to more stress, pressure, frustration, and effort. Um, and in async, you have time to think and provide complete response uh, when you someone asks you something, um, because there there are no rules for working hours, so you have time to to work on your responses, which is not the case in real time. You have total control over your workday structure to fit your lifestyle, biorhythms and also responsibilities like childcare, for example. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you learn how to communicate more clearly and comprehensively to decrease back and forth, uh, which is very expensive in nothing, by the way. Um, and people can finally block off uninterrupted time to focus on producing really high value outcome instead of just snacking, doing low value and, and, and um, quick tasks, you know, to fill the gaps between meetings. And, and that's the one I've heard about a lot. Um, you can talk about it maybe as deep work. And, and usually, again, the example are engineering teams where, where programmers, engineers need to focus very deeply on a task for a long period of time. And when there are meetings or a Slack message or somebody uh, putting a hand on your shoulder, you break that, that deep work. What is, what is the cost of breaking deep work? So the actual cost is um, for every context switch, you have 23 minutes lost to get back to your task and be productive as you as you were before. Being 20, 23 minutes. Yeah, 23 minutes. So every time I interrupt somebody, every time I call that meeting or say, hey, can you help me with this? We're losing 23 minutes. Exactly. Uh, for everything uh, cognitively demanding indeed. Um, so imagine the amount of waste of humanity because of that. <laughs> it's uh, it's wild when you think about it. Um, so that's the cost and you have to do everything in your power to reduce it. It's really critical. So so what would you say best practices when it comes to, to deep work? Uh, if you're scheduling, time boxing, whatever method you use, how, how long should people be spending in, in deep work? So first of all, you have to identify your productive hours. So it depends on people. It can be the morning, can be the night. Afternoon is not usually the case <laughs> for being productive um, and an engineer, but I think it's the same also for every kind of knowledge worker. 
it's a maximum of four four hours per day of um, deep deep work you can do. You know, so you have to understand these four hours and try to block everything so you you are not um, distracted from uh, investing all your time on high value tasks during these hours. So that's the first tip I think to to optimize these productive hours. Also, another tip I think really important is that to identify your natural context switch. So you have context switches during the day, indeed, uh, the start of your day, end of your workday, uh, during lunch, and uh, before and after a meeting, for example, or any rest time. So leverage these natural context switches to actually um, do something else after or before. Uh, to So this way, you don't distract yourself from doing uh, deep work. But also, you can use these context switches to batch small small tasks, like replying to emails, replying to people, corporate overhead. So, so those are some good tips for the individual, if I were to schedule my day. But you're working with a team, and, and a team of different people, probably with different preferences. How do you manage asynchronous work with your team at Sendesk? Yeah, so Zendesk is a large enterprise, so I will only speak about my group indeed. Uh, Zendesk is actually uh, all in in remote since this year with um, the digital first strategies uh, they introduced. Um, and uh, I think it's fairly new. But uh, in my team, we work with uh, people from, especially right now, with people from Melbourne, for example, which is up to 12 hours of time zone difference. So <laughs> we are clearly challenged about, uh, about collaborating in async. Um, we ensure that we send all info upfront and we can wait for the next day to expect, expect a reply. So usually we, we expect 24 hours uh, before having a reply from someone, which is a, a good uh, time frame, I think. We have a lot of support from Google Docs and GitHub pull requests in engineering, but Google Docs to actually support our Slack threads. I know Slack is not the best tool in the market right now for async, but it's better than locking conversation in emails anyway. Um, and uh, also, it's very crucial to document everything. Uh, so all your meetings, if you have meetings, you have to document them. Prepare pre-read notes also, so people can structure their opinion before attending a meeting. Record everything, make all meetings optional. So this way you can adapt to any schedule, you know. Um, and during the meeting, you have to record and indeed and note everything that you, you discuss and set action items at the end is really important. If not, it's probably, it was probably a waste of time. After that, you just have to post your meeting notes and. Uh, quickly list the action items. One tip that is really important, I think, to extend conversation uh, from meeting is that you, after the meeting, you can um, ensure that people can continue to contribute to, to the discussion of the meeting through the notes. And you can set a deadline uh, to close the loop. So this way, you can wait a little to make decisions so people that did not attend the meeting can actually contribute too. What I really like to use is also a lot of short videos uh, for unidirectional uh, info sharing, for example, instead of meetings. Uh, I really like this format, actually, but I don't think we use it enough, you know. Um, finally, also, my mantra is actually uh, what is not written does not exist. I like that. What is not written does not exist. 
Yeah. How do you, how, how do you encourage your teams to contribute and stay engaged when they're not attending meetings? Um, so it's a good question. Um, it all comes up to the culture, the values. Uh, I think does not work with some fundamental values like you have to to um, to have a culture of autonomy, uh, discipline, uh, self-discipline. I mean, um, and uh, accountability is really critical too. So I built a team that uh, try to emphasize these values. So this way they can autonomously just contribute by themselves uh, because they are accountable of the work they do, the projects they are working on. Um, and also we have some convention and rules that we try to, to put in place. Like, again, we try to document everything. Uh, we try actually the handbook first approach, uh, the same way GitLab is doing. Um, we have some challenges with this right now, especially on the cultural side and tooling side too. Uh, but it all comes from the culture you set is really important. If you don't have these values, I think work can't work. So if you were to summarize the, the top three benefits and the top three drawbacks, uh, why would you say I think is great and what are some of the challenges? So I think it's really great to give freedom to work from anywhere first. It's a very perfect perk for a company. Uh, it costs zero to provide. Uh, and it's best than any vanity perks you, you may have anyway. Uh, it, um, it makes sure that you have no fear of missing out anymore. Um, and, uh, yeah, again, it requires trust, discipline, autonomy, and accountability. Um, it creates natural documentation because everything is written. So you have natural documentation created by your conversations. Um, but it's a new paradigm and a lot of people miss that. Uh, they try to, to, to fit traditional ways of collaboration into it. It does not work. You have to change your mindset. So that's the first challenge. Um, also, writing and communication becomes core skills to master. So you may have some training to do. Um, it's not suitable also for everything like building connections in one-on-ones, emergencies like production alerts, uh, complex topics, or emotional conversations too. Um, and finally, uh, a, a competitive advantage also is that you can hire globally. And uh, this is really uh, important for, for companies uh, today. I think we talk a lot about remote work or, or hybrid work, uh, but we don't talk enough about how to make it succeed. And I think asynchronous work, async, is part of that recipe. I don't think you're able to reap the benefits of remote work if you can't figure out async. I um, entirely, entirely agree. Um, um, for a while, after the pandemic, we, we talk a lot about remote work, but not uh, enough about async. But both come in the same package, you know. Uh, if you are remote but not async, it's just that you, again, are trying to fit traditional ways of working in remote which doesn't work. You can't be remote and have meetings all day, being real time every time, uh, because if not, you, you have to overwork to actually deliver something valuable because you don't have you don't have time during the day to do so. So I think comes with remote. And uh, as soon as companies and people can understand this, as soon we can uh, make sure to actually invest on this model 
and uh, building better teams going forward. Okay, thank you. We've dug deep into how Async works for engineering teams, but one of the questions I wanted to pick your brain on, uh, brainstorm a little around is, what can we learn from how engineering teams are adapting Async and, and how can we use it in other domains? That's a very interesting question. I, I, I think Async uh, can fit any kind of knowledge work domains, but um, at Zendesk, for example, we are advocate async for sales, marketing product operations too. Um, so I think these domains can learn from engineering, like to better understand how your brain work and the brain of your people work, um, or to optimize your most productive hours, the cost of context switching, like the 23 minutes again, the pressure on your mental health to actually be always available in real time. Um, and just reduce the amount of snacking you do, so low value task again. Uh, you just have to identify uh, um, co cognitive work in your domain and try to optimize async for it. Okay, so a lot of the tips that work for engineering teams should work for, uh, for other domains. Uh, and particularly a few of the ones that I wrote down is making sure you, you set aside natural time for focused work, for deep work. Uh, getting much better at how you communicate, uh, being able to hand over a task without necessarily um, requiring an immediate reply. Um, mm -hmm. What what else? If we were to um, to, to summarize, uh, what would you say are your top tips to teams that are trying to to work asynchronously? So again, maximize the meeting value by extending conversations. Again, document everything, record everything, make all meeting optional. Ensure to have pre-read documentation so people can structure and prepare before a meeting. Extend the conversation after the meeting. Do not close the loop and the discussion when the meeting is done. Uh, make sure the, to, to set deadlines for every request so people can organize their day. So you have to be very clear on the boundaries and the rule for contributions. Um, so deadlines, yes, I know it's not a very fun word, but it's really crucial. Um, also, again, leverage natural context switches. As I said before, uh, when context switch happen, batch them all at the same time, optimize your productive hours, uh, identify them first. Um, and finally, I would say limit back and forth when possible. Uh, it's very expensive and, and uh, this way people will just be able to structure their day efficiently. And uh, they know when they have to produce the outcome and deliver uh, and organize their schedule as they want. Thank you, Nicholas. Normally I say there's a lot of gold in this episode, but, but this time I'm going to say this was a gold mine. Um, make sure you take notes, make sure you re-listen to this episode several times because there is so much in here that, that teams can learn in how to work uh, synchronously. So, so Nicholas Kava, the Nicholas Cage of Asynchronous Work, thank you so much for joining the, the show today. My pleasure, Kenneth. And uh, yeah, I don't mind having the bank account of Nicolas Cage, actually. So <laughs> I don't doubt for a second that, that you will get there if you continue this. Um, fo follow Nicholas on, on LinkedIn, follow him on Twitter. Um, and for everybody listening, have a, a great day. Thank you. See you, everyone. Thank you, Kenneth. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Nicholas Kava talking about the benefits of asynchronous work. If you uh, enjoyed this episode, don't forget to uh, hit that subscribe button and like it on LinkedIn. 
Next week, we have a very exciting episode coming up. We will have Tony Yamos, the CEO of Oyster, coming to talk about the benefits of remote. So listen up.